Now on the tee, it's Maddie and the Caddy. Here's Matt Barry and Michael Collins. It is a major championship edition of Maddie and the Caddy alongside the Caddy. Michael Collins. I am the Maddie, Matt Barry. We appreciate the support throughout the podcast here on Maddie and the Caddy. As always, subscribe, download, subscribe on Apple Podcasts or the ESPN app and download the episodes. We are coming off what was a remarkable week in Lake Tahoe at the American Century. Uh, we'll, I, we cannot wait to share some of those guests with you in the <laughs> upcoming episodes. Today we are going to be joined by Jimmy Roberts, NBC Sports Golf Channel, uh, for a preview of the Open Championship. We'll get to that in a minute because it is the third major of the year and we are excited to talk about it. But, Michael, you'll be on a flight to Scotland immediately after this. But what, what a remarkable time we had in Lake Tahoe. Oh, I mean, a stunningly beautiful area that I had never seen before that it's hard not to appreciate nature and it would be hard no matter how bad of a day you were having on the golf course not to stop and look around there and go you know what life's all right <laughs> it's not too bad today ice cube said it today was a good day and today I think we did, was a good day and we lived that in lake tahoe for a few days and here's here's what i want to say about golf today as we get set to preview the open championship we talked to numerous pro athletes mm. and celebrities. Tony Romo's a jerk. <laughs> you leave, you leave Romo out of this. He, no, he, what, what he I was, know he's your boy. You know what? He was peak, he's a smart aleck. That was it. He, he is, was peak Romo. He's the epitome of the biggest smart aleck that there is. That's why he and I we get along we, so yeah, well. We had peak snark. Yes, uh, but the you get to be Chad and Brad together. Oh, Brad and Chad. Were you guys are seriously place. bros. We, uh, but what we what we had talking to these guys is every single one of their faces would light up when we would ask them about golf (laughs) and they would all share the same struggles when we asked them about golf what did we ask when we asked Terrell Davis you'll hear this coming up uh, in future podcasts stay to your game under construction (laughs) I mean and that's just it it was fun seeing these guys and and hanging out with these guys to to they were one of us because they all struggled the game that we love and that what was Funny for me, and what I loved is when other people would come by and say, if it's a football player, they would go, hey, man, would love to talk to you about the football team. And the, and these dudes would be like, hmm, yeah, right. And they would just shut down immediately because it's like no one really wants to talk about work. No. You know what I mean? What for they- most of these dudes, this, this even when we were with Patrick Peterson, he was like, no, nah, man, that's a day job. That's my day job. And so it's like, yeah, guys are excited. You're going back to work. And, like, the guys who play in the NFL that were out at the American Century, those guys were like, they're getting ready to go to work. So for them, when people would come up and be like, hey, man, we want to talk football with you, they'd be like, all right. But yeah, but I want to talk said, about seven iron. If you go, <laughs> hey, man, let's talk about golf. And they were like, yes. And, and, and you could go to guys – what did you think about Kevin Na? Or what did you think about Phil? And they would all be like, yeah, did you see? What do you mean did I see? This is my job. Yeah, I saw it. Because they want to do what those guys do. Yes. And that's the connector of golf, and that's Maddie and the Caddy in that show. Yeah, I know. That's what was so amazing about being out there. Now, it stinks that we didn't get to stay for the whole week, but the nice thing was we were invited by the CEO of American Century Investments to come back next year 
and stay for the whole week, yeah. which we are definitely going to do. Yeah, and we're going to put that on. That's on the record for the bosses. Like, yeah, big time. So, and the other thing, we got to schedule make, will reflect that. And we got to make sure that the same dude is working the, the check-in counter at the hotel we stayed in because he's he tried to hook me up with a really nice room, and I had to tell him no because I wasn't staying. So it was like... Just for one night, yo, let me get you up in this. And I was like, nah, man, because... The jacuzzi suite. Yeah, I don't want to move all my stuff. Yeah, but... For one night is like... Nah. He wanted to put you in that because you were kind of being high maintenance. No, I was yes, not. You, yes, you were. I was not yes, being you high were. Let me tell you something. If you're a casino hotel, number one, you're a casino. You should never close. Correct. Which they didn't. They The casino didn't. But if you're a dude like me who gets up extremely early in the morning... How are you not having any coffee anywhere in that hotel? That, look, you're... That's not high maintenance. That is... Look, I'm just trying to get some coffee. Can I get some coffee? Oh, man, our room service, we don't do that. What do you mean? Well, room service don't start until 7. 7 in the morning at a casino? Okay, well, can I come downstairs? Nah, all the places down here is closed, too. What time do they open? 6? I disagree. Six. I... How do I get coffee? How are you... See, I think you're wrong. It's high maintenance for me to want a cup of no, coffee no, 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 early no. in the morning. It's it's it, you just went to the wrong places and called the wrong people. You could have walked down to the casino at four a.m. The bars are open. People gambling are drinking cups of coffee at the tables. You could have gotten a cup of coffee. Here's you're what just, I don't understand: just who's so, making their coffee? The the peop, the bars. So then, if if I'm a hotel guest or a hotel guest who's probably going to go hang out in the casino. If a hotel guest calls at 4 o'clock in the morning and wants some coffee before they go down to the casino floor, you might want to run to the bar and be like, yeah, you know what? We'll grab some coffee and bring it up for you. Maybe it's not That's a good idea. That's high maintenance. It's not high maintenance. They also didn't have hot water. And here's the other thing. I have is, is it high maintenance to want hot water? No. For a shower? That's completely reasonable. But, I look. I didn't have a problem once getting my twenty ounce cup of coffee. It the problem here. Yeah, but wait, what time did gonna, you what time did you get your coffee? Well, this is good because we'd meet at six forty five a.m. and I my alarm. What would, time did your alarm go off? Six oh five. See, nah, man. I'd rinse off. I'd come out of the shower looking like this, and then I'd go get you my just coffee. Wake up and look like that. So then I and then I went and got my cup of coffee. See, See the problem my, is that I don't work that way. Your routine is your problem. No. Wait, it's not my, it's, wait, you have a problem with my routine. I don't have a problem with my routine. My routine has never been an issue until this one time at this hotel where it was, uh, we could call it the hard luck. All right, let me let people know that Michael expects to have a coffee maker in his hotel room in every no, hotel these days. that is in. not true. That's high maintenance. No, that is not. I do not expect to have a coffee maker in the room at every hotel. What I expect is coffee to be available. Fair. So that's that's not high maintenance. So if you don't have a coffee maker in a room, if I go downstairs at 4 in the morning and I just wake up, you're going to have coffee available. Whether I got to give you a couple bucks for it, whether you just have it there, you know, for free, cool, but have it available. I don't think you exhausted all of your options is all I'm saying. And you got upgraded. The dude at the front desk knew who you were, but you got upgraded. I didn't take the room, You didn't though. take the upgrade. I did we, not we're going to cash in on that next year. Yes. Believe we need me. him. We need him to still have that job. And, and one other thing <laughs> that I will say about your performance while we were in Tahoe is, man, all I wanted to do was get a couple cocktails with you and maybe spin a marble, throw the dice, and you – 
like a golden girl, were up in bed every night at 10 o'clock. Okay, we were not over there for any amount of time, and the in and out that happened was I was on an hour and a half sleep, two flights over there, hit the ground running. I gave you Monday night. Did I not give you Monday night? Yeah. Okay, I gave you Monday night. I understand you're on an hour and a half of sleep. And what time did I get up? Wait, what time did we... We shut it down Monday night. At 9. I was... I and went, I was asleep before 10. I went and gambled, and I was in bed by 9.45. But let's say if nine, from 9 until 4 is still only 7 hours. Again, goes back to your routine. If you didn't have to wake up at 4 a.m. to have your coffee, you could have... I don't know. We could have... We could have Built our locker room chemistry up a little bit. <laughs> so I gave you Monday night. What was your excuse Tuesday Hold on. Night? How was your night Monday night and throwing the little pebble around? It wasn't good. So see, But at least go. I was there. Yeah, but see, but that's what I'm saying. So maybe karma is telling you you should have went to sleep too. Oh, where was karma on Tuesday night when I wanted to hang out? And you were like, nah, man, I'm done. And I went to the tables. And you did good. I had a pretty good run. But And I got a good night's sleep. And we got a lot accomplished, <laughs> which is awesome. And guess what else I got? Coffee. You did get your own. Oh, so I got coffee. Allow us to pay off the story before we move on. So, so I didn't take the room upgrade, but. You wanted, you said, I, I can't take the upgrade, but all I want is a coffee maker in my room. That's all. And he was like, man, we ain't got no. He goes, the room I was putting you in had a nice little Keurig in it. <laughs> But I can only send you over this little other. And I was like, look, man, I am not a prima donna. I don't need no yes, Keurig. I don't need no Keurig. I, just give me. I want some stuff that is dark enough that I can't see through it. You know what I mean? Like. How many bags of coffee did I like my up? coffee like my women? Bitter. <laughs> how, how many? Angry. <laughs> how many bags did they send up? Four. Was that good enough for you? Yeah. Yeah. I I hid one of them. <laughs> You did. So I did. Th- I did three solid hardcore cups this morning, or, or that morning, I should say. <laughs> See, you got me thinking about coffee already, man. But I had three hardcore cups of coffee, and so I felt great. I got everything accomplished that I need to accomplish uh-huh. that morning. And was I on time? You were on time. Because right. the other thing you don't do. You're not on time. Yes, I am. There was not. Wait, did we have hot water on Monday? I did. I showered. I showered. My shower was nice. So here's that's the thing. I had no coffee and a cold shower. You're lucky. I'm not in prison right now. (laughs) Here's what. (laughs) Here's what I'll say about our our first road trip for Maddie and the Caddy and road trips in perpetuity. You need to get better. I need to get better. You need to get better. And, I, and next time, we're going to need to build locker room chemistry a little more. The next time we're at, I don't know, a place you can gamble 24-7 and go to bars. Can we, the next road trip, stay somewhere more than two nights and me have to do red-eye back-to-backs? Yeah, that's the other thing. You, you're the, look, you were, you control your travel. No. Mm. You can't blame. You know that ain't true, man. You control that is your dumb, travel. Huh? That is so messed So we, uh, we, had a, so we had a great time in Lake Tahoe. It was, a, it was an awesome experience. We cannot wait to share. I know, it was all awesome. the cold showers and coffee that didn't show up. Yeah, and life advice from her. Mad words. The best part about the whole thing was the tournament and the golf course. The golf course, the people that were there taking care of us, Joe down on the driving range. Joe P. Like, that dude, my man is like, he's, he, you know what? We've he even some... said his nickname is true, the wolf. The only thing he said he don't do, he don't clean up blood. All right, cool. <laughs> so we're not going to bleed anybody out. So. We've met some gatekeepers before, and I, I didn't I, have to. Look. Let me tell you, if I wouldn't have gotten coffee when we got here to the golf course, 
the wolf would have been cleaning up some blood somewhere. You remember Mike from Breaking Bad and Better right. Call Saul? Yes. That's Joe P. See? He'll just find a way. he find a way, so man. So our thanks to the beautiful people at the American Century Championship. You know what uh, you need Ed to get Wood. better at? What? If I need to get better at routine, you need to get better at that Rolodex of yours getting phone numbers. Fair enough. No, because I look, I don't. <laughs> you don't ask for numbers. I, yeah. Cause you I, don't never ask for numbers. No, I don't. See? I respect the process. Because I know you are just going to go ask everybody. And I'm like, well, one of us has it. We're good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, man. But that means everybody got my number, too, and nobody got your number. That's funny. No, I've got the numbers I need. <laughs> That's how I look. Just, you just, know what's funny? Just, I don't even give them my number. I give them yours. <laughs> <laughs> just understand that so, I got the numbers that we need. So at least uh, you know, look, when people are calling you asking for me, you know what's up. That's fine. Look, that's it, the way the Maddie and the Caddy relationship works. <laughs> we take foul balls off the chin when we need to. Uh, it is Open Championship Week, third major championship of the season. You've got Patrick Reed winning the Masters. You have Brooks Kepka winning the U.S. Open. And you've got Jordan Spieth headed to Carnoustie as defending Open champion. Champion golf for the year is what they like to call it. Yes. And we go to a course... We'll hear, from, we'll hear from Jimmy Roberts in just a couple of minutes. Uh, he's a part of the telecast with NBC. Uh, but, yeah, Carnasty, the nickname of a place that I don't know if this is going to yield itself to a storyline of, oh, good for him, he won his first major. Yeah, I don't know. One of the funny things, too, since we were talking about being at Lake Tahoe and the American Century Championship, so many of the athletes and celebrities that were playing that event were talking about going over and playing over in Scotland and to a man, every guy who said that they played Carnoustie said the same thing. That's too much golf course for me. And they played it when it wasn't set up for an open championship. So I'm curious to find out after the debacle that was the U.S. Open, I'm curious to see how the RNA sets up Carnoustie because they have – that's the one golf course where – I don't want to say the RNA messed up, but they combined with Mother Nature to make the place worse than it needed to be. So I'm anxious to see when we get over there what Mother Nature, first of all, has in store, and then what the golf course setup people do mm -hmm. to that course to go, okay, is it going to be somewhat playable? Because it's Carnoustie. So you're going to have holes that are just evil. We haven't seen the open at Carnoustie since 2007. Prior to that, 1999. Sean I mean, it's been there. There are so many stories. That poor guy does not want that story unearthed again. But this is actually not the he eighth loves time. it though. Does he? Yeah. Oh, you he, so you want your worst moment replayed over and over again? Yeah, but for him, he embraced the. I'm sure that it took some time, but he did embrace what happened and he does say like he still wakes up every day and at some point in the day thinks about what his life would be like if he would have won but that being said and i think he's right on this he might be more famous for how he lost you know it. if I he would have won that. i agree with if that. he would have won and been like yeah john vanderveld first friend, okay french guy yeah how often do we talk about ben curtis thank you we don't no no. He's, you're exactly right about And when that. we talk about Stuart Sink, are we like, man, wasn't it great the way Stuart Sink won that open? No. It's like, yeah, Stuart Sink, way to go, messing it up for Tom Watson. Right. And Stuart's the nicest dude in the whole world. That's right. So for Vanderveld, like, even though now his name is synonymous with a meltdown, he, he embraces the fact that he's, 
He's famous because of that. Like and Vandeveld's probably not charging to hear him speak if he wins that. But now Absolutely. everybody wants Vandeveld to come to their event. It's it look, I don't charge like, him more. I don't like using <laughs> the term one of the greatest meltdowns of all time, but it was spectacularly bad. And they were going to revisit their open championship at Carnoustie for the first time since 2007. Whose game do you – we'll do predictions at the end of the podcast. You'll Who's, do prediction. <laughs> you're not doing one? Man, I got to I gotta write – I got the full field. <laughs> I know everybody got nervous when I – I got a f- the full field. I'm ranking the full field from number one – the whole way down to oh, 156. Sorry, you got to do your job. It Shut breaks up. my heart. You know how I feel about typing. <laughs> yeah, you do. You're, he's the one one finger typer. I hate it. I mean, you look out of place typing, and that's because I am out of place typing. You and haven't gotten better over time. No, no, because I procrastinate you too do. much and leave it to the last minute, and then I just type angry. How do our colleagues at ESPN.com handle you? Um. Sometimes I pay them to do transcription for me, but then I don't know. <laughs> they just laugh at the fact they love the faces I make when they're sitting by their computer and they're looking to the right, reading something and typing without looking. Because I get this stink look on my face because I'm so mad. It's not I, hard. It like I could probably I could write a lead into Sports Center right now, looking look at, at looking at you. I will punch you in the face so hard. Man. Maybe, look, maybe. So you know why? And that's just me being bitter because I used to make fun of the guys that took typing class seriously. Mm. <laughs> what you gonna be, secretary? <laughs> and now it's come back. That's what. That's how karma comes back to bite you in the behind. It does. And karma has come back and bit me in the behind because now part of my job is typing. And I can't type. So, like, when it comes to the prediction, and the other thing about I'm cool with doing predictions for the Masters, the U.S. Open, and the PGA Championship. Thank you for allowing that. That's you know why? Well, here's the problem. Mother Nature doesn't affect them the way she does at the Open Championship. Oh, really? Yes. Mother Nature didn't affect the U.S. Open other than the setup of the USGA. Mother Nature affected how stupidly that they reacted in setting up the golf course, but it didn't have any effect on the golf. No, that's not true. I was, I, so I was going to say that wrong. Into my well, I know. I, I, I was going to say that wrong. No, keep going. What it was was Mother Nature affected how they set the golf course up, but how they set the golf course up, that determined what happened on the golf course with the guys. So I was right when I said Dustin Johnson was going to be unbeatable because he was. And the only thing that kept him from winning was the the USGA and how they botched the golf course up. And then mentally, he was so beat up after Saturday he couldn't recover. That's not a stretch to say. So your pick was right even though it was wrong. I I feel Who hoisted the trophy? Brooks Kepka. Not Dustin Johnson. I was on Dustin Johnson and Justin Rose. I'm not gonna. They didn't win. I was on Dustin Johnson and Ricky Fowler, and I was at Justin Rose third, and I was cool with doing that list, and I was very comfortable, even with the way everything turned out. I was comfortable about it. This one drives me nuts because no matter what the forecast says over there, I don't know. I mean, I think their weathermen don't get drug tested enough. Either that, or like they just don't even have to take them because. They already know, no matter what they say, it's going to be right for 10 minutes. 10 minutes. And that's it. Look, weather blows in and out. That's all you, if you're the local weather guy, it's all you got to, all you got to have is a window. You're going to look at, yep, it's yep. good right now, but look, there's clouds over there, so give it prepare. time. <laughs> right? Weather out there is like Twitter. 
<laughs> I mean, it's a constant feed. Right. Just look, pack your rain slicker, know the weather, but weather in golf, unless you were in Lake Tahoe like we were for a week where we didn't see a cloud for an entire week. Right. Look, weather at the Open Championship is a factor. That's why Europeans are usually favored over there because they're used to that type of play. Yeah, and but that's even why the these Europeans, guys that can hit low ball. Even the Europeans over there, if you're on the wrong side of the draw and you get the 30 mile an hour wins instead of the 12 mile an hour wins, like that was just the luck of the coin flip. That's, okay, you're going at one o'clock, two o'clock. But Mike, that's golf. You could have something with wind or something come up out of nowhere. I mean, but that, in all the other majors, that weather is more predictable. I agree. It's more predictable. So it's it's much – even though I hate being called a golf expert because I don't think there's any such thing as well, a golf I expert. I know who's calling you that. Right, I'm just saying. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> Same people that call me a writer. <laughs> they should definitely not be calling you that. <laughs> I'm just saying it's much more – not easy, but it's – and not reliable is not a right word either. But it's it's not as difficult to predict – who will play well and who won't play well because you don't have the factor of at 12 o'clock, 30-mile-an-hour winds are going to come in. Granted. Yeah, so that's the thing that makes predicting the Open Championship all, all but impossible. Do we think – I, you and I have had this argument now, and after our time in Tahoe, my – the the Matt Army is growing heavily. The Matty Army is is growing nicely. True in, that. In that in in the belief with me and Tiger, you got noticed at a bar the other night. Well, don't act like it's it doesn't ever happen. I'm, well, you know, you rarely take them sunglasses. So. I don't. I mean, <laughs> but but the, the, in terms of like in terms of like belief, I wear my sunglasses at night. I went peak Brad and Chad, but the reality of it is that. I've always believed that in this this next iteration of a Tiger Woods comeback, that his game was suited for an Open Championship or the Masters. Do you think Tiger's going to contend at Carnegie? I think Tiger will find himself heavily in the conversation, yes, going into the weekend. We get the whole other story. But his game, Ooh. if he just – here's what Tiger doesn't figure, can't figure out, and it drives me nuts – Hit the driving iron in the three wood off the tee the entire damn tournament and just keep it low, keep it in play. You're one of the best iron players of all time, maybe still one of the best iron players in the world. Keep the thing in play off the tee. You know, if if I could just lose 120 pounds, I'd be a supermodel. Oh, here we go. But you know what I'm not going to do? Here we go. I'm not losing 120 pounds. You're so not. I'm just saying. I mean, like, you could. You just, well, I mean, I could potentially. But I like onion rings. <laughs> by the way, I got a French fry issue. The onion ring on the top. wedge salad in Lake Tahoe. By the way, yeah. that was a sneaky star. Yeah, it was a sneaky star. Uh, apolo- apologies. Go ahead. Back yeah. to Tiger. No, no, them Cajun tater tots too. What was that restaurant called? What was the it called? Little Beaver or the Lucky Beaver? Lucky Beaver. Lucky Beaver. It was Had lucky. Some garlic, some garlic tater tots that was off the hook. So that was, <laughs> hey man, let's go carb free. Yeah, you go carb free. <laughs> I'm gonna hit these garlic tater tots a little harder. Cajun too. Yeah, Cajun. That was it. Cajun tater tots. Yeah. When it comes to Tiger, I, it's so easy for everyone to flip back to. All he's got to do is go back to being that dude. I didn't say that. From, no, no, but I'm saying all you to say all he has to do is this. But you can say that, look, all Adam Scott has to do is make six-footers, and he's going to be great again. But guess what he has trouble doing? Making six-footers. 
Tiger Woods has now found length that he never thought he was going to have again with the driver. As disciplined as he mentally tough was, and he was the mentally toughest golfer that there was, his ego right now makes him struggle with it. And the fact that they put him in groups with guys like Dustin Johnson, who's going to pull the driver out. And Tiger, this is the one thing where Tiger and Phil are very similar nowadays. And that is when the young dudes pull the driver out, they can't help it. Yeah, but you they, gotta get, you have to get over that. No, you don't. Yes, you do. That's like you look when you tell somebody you have to get over your addiction. Yeah, I know, I can't. But it. But how much peace should Tiger have, knowing that after microfusion back surgery or whatever the, the the medical term of it is, he still has one of the top swing speeds on tour. Yep. He's still sending the driver 300 plus and hanging with Justin Thomas, yep. by the way. He knows that that's there. Yes. But it doesn't mean he has to use it. Look, if I have a Lamborghini and you tell me, look, it's awesome. You got a Lamborghini. We should leave it in the garage. No. Until you need to use it. No, wait, what do you mean? Go There's... use the Subaru for a day. Yeah, nah, Make bro. mama proud. Nah, Make man. mama on a date the How Subaru. come you don't just take the Subaru? If you're only going to get some milk, take the Subaru. Yeah, I know I could. <laughs> I could do that. That'd be the smart move. Guess what I'm not doing? I'm that does not sound like the super. <laughs> you know what? Because I'll be back in three minutes. <laughs> like you could just take the Subaru. Yeah, yeah Subaru. This exercise. A little I think he just said I'm number one. <laughs> you're an idiot. <laughs> but I'm right. But you're not. You're not wrong. But for me, Tiger. Ultimate goal, he says it all of the time. The goal is to win a tournament. And he will not win a tournament if he's sending driver when he doesn't necessarily need to. I'm not saying Agreed. don't ever pull it out of the bag. I, I I'm saying agree. do what we know you can do. Take a driving iron. Keep the thing low. Keep it in play. And you know what? Try to play fairway to green golf. That's and, it. And I completely agree with that. And I also would be the first to say... Tiger was the smartest guy out there back in the day. Was? Yes. Because now, when he plays with Dustin, when he plays with Rory, when he plays with Justin, guess who's whipping the driver out when he don't have to? That's not the smartest guy in the room. That's the guy going, oh, yeah, I can still hang with the Young Bucks. Check it out. Oh, four right, four left. Like, and you don't have to. And if you're going to win, especially at Carnoustie, yep. where he's won before without hitting a driver. And you would think you go, we're going to go back here. We're going to do the same thing. But I guarantee you he ain't doing that. You know what I love about Open Championship Week is it looks different. It sounds different. It feels different. The, 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 like the muddled claps from the gallery. Oh, oh, oh. Right. Oh. When he hit it to 20 feet and you hear that, oh, really? It's just such a nice event to watch. So we look the the fact that we're already at the third major championship of the season it weirds me out. Yeah, big they time. released the the new schedule of the PGA Tour uh, this last week, and there yep. are some adjustments there. Most notably, the players now moves up to March. Having said that, and the, the playoffs, we end up yeah. a month early, which Three I think is event? great for the game. Big time. They did some user friendly schedule changes. All of that is to say the fact that we are now at the third major championship already, heading into the Open Championship. It's remarkable how fast this season is going. Uh, coming up next, 
a man who will be on the telecast. He pens an essay or two. He loves stories. He also loves to tell Michael, shut up if he's interrupting him. And he's shorter than me. Oh, here we go. Uh, <laughs> Jimmy Roberts, NBC Sports Golf Channel, coming up next on Maddie and the Caddy. Who better to talk Open Championship with than the great Jimmy Roberts, <laughs> NBC Sports Golf Channel, all-around golf guy. Jimmy, uh, Open Championship week, what makes this week so special? Well, it's the oldest, and I would say in probably 95% of the world, people will tell you it's the most important. Um uh, not in the United States, because I think that, you know, people have a feeling about either the U.S. Open or the Masters. But there, if you've ever been, there's just something about it that's just, it's different. And, you know, literally, everything else in golf is a derivative. Mm -hmm. Everything. So, you know, we love lots of things about golf, but it all started there. And um, it's just everything about the, you know, the turf and the fans and the way you play the game and uh, the weather. I mean, it's just everything about it is... I, I i don't mean to be demeaning when I say this. It's odd. Mm -hmm. you know? That's not demeaning and because Americans who go there, they have the most confused look on their face the first time <laughs> they see a guy hit a shot to 20 feet and the crowd applauds. Yep. And they're looking going... What are you doing? What are you? What are you? Weird people clapping for a shot to twenty feet, but they understand that's a really good shot. That's the right shot. Correct. It's the right shot. There's a lot of that. Yeah, you know. And I mean, it's funny. So everything eventually cycles back to Tiger, and I'm sure we'll get to that at some point. <laughs> so let me just preempt you and just get there earlier than we're going to. But, but eight months ago, ten months ago, I was of the very lonely opinion that he was going to win again i was a voice in the wind i thought you know he's going to win again he's just too good you know if he gets right physically he's going to win again i i thought all along and i still think he'll break sam sneed's record um i don't think he'll break jack nicholas's record and everybody would eventually say to me when i would say this they'd say well can he win a major and i said well i think the only major he can really win at this point is the masters for a number of reasons. He's familiar with the place. He doesn't have to drive the ball straight. You know, he he has good mojo there. Anyway, I've since changed my opinion a little bit. He's not going to break Jack's record, as if I know what's going on, but just my opinion. But the reason I... It's kind of like a long way to circle back to this. I think he could play really well over there. Yeah. Because... The one part of his game which just seems confused is his putting. And I just think that over there, you know, putting isn't as much of a premium. It's all about what you do to get there. And I think I would not be shocked. I just, I don't know how you feel. I, I just wouldn't be shocked. I'm on your side. I wouldn't be shocked. I still think Tiger's got something in him. He's, he's sold all of his Tiger stock. I, I don't believe that Tiger can win another major. I think that he's going to win more than one golf tournament. Yep. But I agree with this fact. If Tiger was going to win another major, it would be the Open Championship because there are things that can happen at that championship that, I'm doing the air quotes, the stars align. Yeah. If you're on the right side of the draw and you catch yeah. the weather in the right way, 
and maybe then the guys who are behind you catch the wrong side of the draw. That's it. It's all they don't have a sh- they don't have a shot at it. And then kind of going back to roots of oh yeah, I can play the ground game. Yep. Where over when Tiger I think plays over here, Tiger still goes. I got to do the air game like. Dustin Johnson, yep. Brooks Kepka. Over there, it's like, oh, yeah, that's right. Watson almost won this thing. I don't necessarily have to play that game over there. Uh, and I don't think that if you look back over time, I don't think it's necessarily a roll call of the greatest putters that have ever lived. Correct. I mean, they can win there. Yes. And, you yep. know, if look, if you're a great putter, it's certainly going to hurt you. <laughs> but, you know, that grass gets pretty shaggy over there because and by the way the USGA could take a lesson from that because, <laughs> take a well lesson only from because there. the weather can intervene and make certain holes unplayable and so they have to play defense with you know with the turf and they do and i think that that can make people feel you know perhaps more comfortable with their putting and I think that benefits him. When you look at the setup uh, for this tournament at Carnoustie in the Open Championship, we've seen who's won the major so far this year, Patrick Reed Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see one and the same, some that we're normally used to seeing win at Carnoustie? Do you think this opens up a storyline for a guy like Ricky Fowler to break through? Yeah, listen, you know, it's going to happen for Ricky Fowler at some point. Yeah. Just He's just too good. You know, but golf is, you, know, you guys know this, golf is a crazy game, and the same guy can wake up one day. I mean, I'll give you a perfect example. On In consecutive rounds in my life, I have shot my worst round as an adult and the best round of my life, okay? <laughs> and I honestly believe that I am no different from the best golfers in the world in the sense that it is a capricious game. And that some days you wake up and you, you your attitude is, I know how to do this. And then the next day you wake up and you're trying to speak Sanskrit. <laughs> it's yeah. like, wait, I picked up a what? Club. And when you hold the club the next day after shooting the greatest round of your life, your hands go, nope, that ain't right. Yep. Nope, this ain't. Nope. Well, wait, just yesterday I had this. Well, in answering your question, Matt, I think that Nicholas told I did a piece for for our telecast next week i did our a piece um, about the closing stretch at carnoustie and i was talking to nicholas about it and he says and he's jack <laughs> and, and he says that it's the most difficult venue for any major championship now think about that wow you know we're Whoa. talking about just think about that we're talking jeez oakmont marion you know i mean there's there are some Courses in there. Yeah, and he says it's the most difficult track. So, what does that mean? You know, you put that together with the fact that somebody, some, just somebody's going to have a week, and I think we could get surprised, but I think the likelihood of somebody coming out of nowhere is less at a place like Carnoustie because it means you, but now, that said, 19 years ago, Jean Vandeveld, And I listen. He was right there. He was right there, <laughs> and he, I, I worked on that telecast, and I can honestly tell you, I thought I knew a little bit about golf. I never heard of the guy. Yeah, and I wasn't alone. You know, so there was a knows? lot of people looking up stuff because back then there was no Wikipedia. Got that right? So there were people going get to the library quick. It's a French dude. What? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the likelihood of another Ben Curtis is probably not. I don't think so. No, you not know, there. But, you know, I, 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 that said, I have also said that, and I believe this: 
that there is no sport, no no sport that's played at an elite level that's deeper in talent than golf is, and that the guy who is ranked 250th in the world could have a week. You know, most people will never have heard of him, but you know, it's deep out there. It's really deep out there. I think the the fringe golf fans don't understand. That's one of the things where we were so spoiled by Tiger yep. in the from 1997 through 2009 that when he showed up, it was like, all right, we know that dude who's playing for second. Now, because of him raising that level, mm-hmm. all of the guys that are out there now from 1 to 250, like you said, how many times when – well, Bryson DeChambeau is a bad example, but, right. you know like, – a name like that, you would just go, huh? Ted. who's Ted Potter? Right, exactly. Well, how did he win a tournament? What are you talking about? Like, right. yeah, there are guys out there that you never heard of that are good enough to win. Well, listen, this is all a very, very long way of saying, I don't have a clue. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in, in, in major That's why championships. why should never say golf experts. Yeah, it's funny, too, because in the major championships, we always have our, our list of favorites. you got Dustin Johnson, Rory McIlroy, because betters love Tiger Woods. Mm-hmm. He squeaks up into their Jordan Spieth. These are the guys that we lean on. But ultimately, in a game, like you said, if you can catch it at the right time, it lends itself to a storyline. Well, the one the one exception to that is the Masters, because the field is so short to begin with. Yep. And because the field's even shorter, because there's, you know, how many? 25, 40 guys in the field? Who can't win? Right. So now it's you can boil it down to there's you know twenty five guys who can win that you know that tournament. Yeah. You uh, you're a storyteller. Mm-hmm. You you're a reporter. So you they love, tell me. <laughs> and you <laughs> love you love storylines. Give me a storyline that could develop for you that wasn't a pre-planned. We all know how the telecast goes. Mm-hmm. We all these pre-planned stories, but something for you that would get Jimmy Robertson. You know what? I can't wait to pen that while we're doing the telecast. Well, I always love the the best thing about the about the two open championships are the qualifiers, you know. And I went, I'm waiting for the day, and I can't wait for that day when somebody who qualifies, and I don't mean a, a tour player, no, who had to go and just get through Cinderella. Qual- I want Cinder- when Cinderella shows up. That's my story. You know, I mean, if you've ever been to qualify, I've never been to a British Open qualifying, yeah. but I've covered a million U.S. Open qualifyings. I mean, and there's people out there, you know, they've come close and there's some great stories out there. That's the story I want. It'd be fun. It'd be like that 16 seed. It was never going to happen in the tournament, right? And we got one. Yeah, we did get one this year, we didn't we? One. People forget about it's, that. It has it to happen. Happened. It UMBC. has to happen. At I want the UMBC of... The British Open. Let's find him. That'd be Charles Barkley winning this event. <laughs> Charles Barkley, you see, is 6,001. Is that all? That's it. Look at that. <laughs> is that all? They have to put him on something. If Chuck hears this, I'm in trouble. <laughs> hey, Jimmy. <laughs> I know. Why got Let me just here? say this. I don't care what anybody says about him. In the time that we've spent out here over the years, this guy is just one. Of, he's got the biggest heart. You know, if you get a chance to meet him, he is, he's really something special. And I'm not excusing, listen, people who live in glass houses shouldn't throw stones, so I'm not going to criticize other people, but he's a good dude. Yeah. And it's been a lot of fun to be out here and to see the way he treats people mm-hmm. and embraces people. That's one of the things that I love about this tournament. I really do. That's the one thing that you learn about people. That are quote unquote celebrities yep. or celebrity athletes and whatnot. It's not about how they are around other athletes. It's about how they are with a crowd of people who you can see are googly eyed towards them. 
And then sometimes, you know, you get those guys who are humbled by that and guys who look at crowds and go, ugh. Yeah. And it makes a difference. And you can tell. You can really tell. And Charles is one of those guys where even though on the outside he's joking and having a good time, he's still humbled by the fact that so many people appreciate what he's done for just not basketball, but just for sports and having so much fun. He's a lot of fun to be around. It's a great event. When you look at it it next week in the Open Championship and and the drama that surrounded Phil Mickelson at the U.S. Open, Mm -hmm. how did your opinion of Phil change, if at all? My opinion of Phil didn't change one iota here's here's my take on it okay my take on it is number one he should have been disqualified um and if he was anybody other than phil mickelson or tiger woods he would have been disqualified and if anybody from the usga wants to tell me any differently i would call bs on them i'm going to tell you differently i completely disagree with well hold on a second let me get through this all right all right (laughs) uh number one he should have been i think he should have been disqualified number two what's the big deal He got frustrated. He did something stupid. He should have had to have been made to answer for it. And number three, and I'll tell you, if you have the time, I'll tell you a story about Phil that kind of informs why I feel this way about him. I think that a lot of people don't like Phil Mickelson because they're jealous. They don't like to see him out there signing autographs and smiling, and they say, ah, he's disingenuous, he's insincere. Listen, if the worst thing you can say about a guy is that he'll spend a bunch of time smiling at people and signing Signing autographs. Is that really the worst thing you can say about a guy because he wants people to like him? That dude's so fake he stood out there for two hours signing autographs for children. Yeah. What's wrong with the guy? Them children are going to buy. What are they buying from him? (laughs) Wait, I hate him. (laughs) So uh, do we have the time for me to tell you? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let me tell you this story. So I, people who live next door to me um, have two small kids, and he happens to be a banker. And he was had some involvement with the Discovery Land Company, which Phil has an association with. And they were down on vacation at Baker's Bay in the Bahamas. It's a very exclusive resort. No one was there. They're sitting, Meredith and Jeff are sitting on the beach one day. They got their two kids. Uh, at the time, I guess they were about four and six. And the kids are splashing around in the surf about 15 feet in front of them. There are four people, just the the parents and the two kids on the beach splashing around i guess the folks are reading their book or doing whatever they're doing all of a sudden they realize there's a an adult and he's kind of come up to their kids and he's talking to them and the kids are laughing and this this grown-up is laughing and so my neighbor meredith goes over to kind of check in and see what's going on it's not like she's concerned at a place like baker's bay but she just wants to see what's going on she goes over the guy's got a starfish and he's showing it to the kids and the kids are loving it and he's loving it it's phil mickelson Okay, there are no cameras. There's nobody to see this, to digest it, and perhaps interpret it. And the only reason that anybody knows that story is because she came home and she knows that I know him, and she told me the story. So all the you know the the accusations of this guy just being disingenuous and and. I don't know. This informed a lot for me. I think that's who he is. I think he's a good guy. I think he's good for the game. And I think a lot of people don't like him for the right for the wrong reasons. Yeah. And he should have been disqualified. Now what? Here's what. Yeah. Mike. Disqualified under what rule? 
Okay, so you would know this better than I would, and so I'm not going to pretend to be a rules expert. Because this is where I don't. This is where I don't understand. When Intentionally say, hitting a ball in motion. Correct, and that's a two-stroke penalty, not a disqualification. That is in the rule book. Okay. It's in the rule book. You can't disqualify somebody because you don't like what they did. In the rule book, there's two different rules, and this is where, and this is the USGA's fault and the RNA's fault. This is stupid of them not to, to to have something, and I'm sure because of this incident, we're gonna have another rule change. But yeah, they're gonna outlaw stupid broadcasters, <laughs> which means I won't have a job, and you're or still good to no, go. You're good to go. Matt'll be done. the only one on the I'll air. Be the last one standing. I'll be the one parking your car. Hey, didn't you used to work for somebody? Yeah, I did. Give me your keys. I promise I'm not gonna put too many miles on this. But there's two rules, and the rule that he broke is rule 14-5, and that is hitting a ball in motion. Right. Now, here's the thing that's stupid. If he would have only put the putter down to stop it and just set it on the ground and let the ball bounce off the putter, that's a different rule, and that's disqualification. But because he actually made a swing at the ball, they are not, they can't, because of the rule book, they can't disqualify him. But we all agree that the intent is what Jimmy, There's and no, you and I agree on that. We know what the intent was. And here's the problem, and this is the same thing that the USGA says, and y'all, you guys don't understand how much it pains me because of what to the To defend USGA, the USGA? Yes. <laughs> it, drives, it drives me crazy because, and this is why it drives me crazy. We're sitting in a media center where for two hours, everyone around me is like, how dare the USGA do this? It's abysmal and it's a shame. Course and they're conditions. only embarrassed. Yes, it's not. They promised and swore they'd never do this to a golf course. And then Phil did what he did. And they go, how dare Phil Mickelson disrespect him? We knew what his intent was. But in the rule, the rule has it's not an intent. All right, listen, above my pay grade is all I'll say when it comes to the rules. I'm... You know, I know some of the rules. I don't. I probably don't know enough of the specifics of the rules. I even asked Phil, "Look, how come you didn't just let the ball stop and pick it up, go back and put it back where it was, and say I'm taking the unplayable? That's only a one stroke." Well, come on, it wouldn't, that would have been very Phil. But, <laughs> but you know something? But he didn't in the moment. Here's he here's the other thing, and a lot of people after the fact got you know very agitated, you know, about the fact that he, he lied and he made up this nonsensical story, and then it took him two days to apologize. You know what? <laughs> I've been covering sports for thirty five years. I've spent my adult lifetime around people who never apologize <laughs> ever. ever, ever, ever for anything they do. And you know what? So this guy apologizes sincerely two days later, and you're going to rake him over the coals for it? Um, You know something? I got a different agenda. I didn't rake him over the coals because I didn't want him to apologize. I didn't think he had anything to apologize for, and I told him as much. And listen, it brings up a whole other point. You know something? Is Has anybody realized that the tournament that generates the most interest, the Masters, People shoot nothing on the back nine every year. Every year. And when they didn't shoot nothing on the back nine, the people went nuts at the fact that there's no more roars at Augusta on the back nine. It was horrible because no one was making it. And how about this? You don't think that what the USGA did was reactionary? 1973, Johnny Miller shoots 63. What happens the next year? The massacre at Wingfoot. 2011, Rory, 16 under par. What happens the next year? Webb Simpson wins at one over par. (laughs) 
And what happened? And wait, and Brooks Kepka shoots 16, 16 under. under. What happens this year? One over win. And then take that one step further, Jimmy. Take it from Saturday it was an absolute embarrassment to golf. And then what happens on Sunday? Everybody goes low. Yeah, I just, you know, something. I'm, listen, I got a lot of friends at the USGA. And I respect I what they do. I love everyone in that media I, center. Well, not only there. I mean, I got a lot of friends who are part of the you know the administrative hierarchy there, and it just pains me to see this kind of stuff happen. It's just wrong, you know. Yeah. Well, we know you love the game. We know you're going to be busy at the Open Championship. Indeed. We appreciate your time. I'll leave you with this. All three of us have one thing in common, which is we all rely on Jim Ornstein to better our career. Ah, <laughs> you guys too. Yeah. yeah. How about yeah, that? We're yeah. all Ornsteins. You know, Ornstein, he was out here last year and the year before. He wanted to come out this year. We were FaceTime. We with FaceTime for everyone listening who doesn't know, that's our agent. We all we all share the same agent, which is pretty cool. I just want to know. Jimmy made Ornstein. Yeah. yeah or, they <laughs> I made him leave is what I made him do. <laughs> I want to know what's on your golf bucket list. There are two questions that I've always wanted to ask you. First, your golfing bucket list. What's on it? Okay. So I've got – I'm going to actually uh, check one – course off at this this week or actually next week i'm playing st andrews for the first time in my life which i'm very excited about i've never played there yeah you haven't no really no um so i'm playing there it's uh in the pro-am for the senior british open the week after the open and a pro-am too and i'm and i where i am the (coughs) defending champion Uh, (laughs) sorry i had to slip that in can you come to the kpmg next year because i'm the defending champion. there you go pretty much the same thing and i don't know (laughs) i don't you know i'd love to play fisher's island i've never played there um i'd like to play bandon dunes i know i'll get there eventually i don't know yeah and the other question I always wanted to ask you, because and and I'm not ashamed to say this, like I love the stories that you tell, ah, and I, I love do. the way that you tell them. It, it you inspired, you, you're one of the guys that inspires me. Even though we you have we brother. have argued on Twitter and all the time, Truth. but that's part of why we love each other. Yeah. If you could only have one of those stories out there, what's the one story that you did that you go, this one right here? Put this one when I'm gone. Make sure everyone remembers this one. What's the story that is that for you? There's a couple of stories that, well, there's one. And so a couple of years ago, I had a show on Golf Channel called In Play with Jimmy Roberts. And the very first show we did um, was a story, it was about a fellow. The very first show we did, the very first piece we did, was about a, a guy who is currently serving a long sentence in Attica. And he's obsessed with golf. And he's never played golf. He's never been on a golf course. But he is a very, very talented artist. And um, the warden, the superintendent at Attica, was a big golfer and brought him a copy of Golf Digest and showed him some pictures. He said, do you think you can do some pictures for me? And he just sparked something in his mind, became obsessed with the game, and he spends hours and hours every day just sketching something he's never actually seen. That's an interesting story, but to me the most interesting part of the story is that we went pretty deep with this story, and chances are pretty good. <laughs> you know something? When a former major leaguer heckles you, yeah, that's you know, just yeah. it's not right. <laughs> anyway, kind of awesome at the same time. I'll show him. Chances are pretty good that this guy didn't commit the crime, and we did a number of interviews with people who pretty much confirmed that. So that's the story. Um. And Valentino Dixon is his name, and he's still serving in Attica Prison. Um, that one, and did a story. Is there the, a chance he could get out, though? 
Believe now with me. all these people that confirmed that he, he's... We worked hard, talked to a number of people, got all the way up to the governor's office, and for a number of reasons, talked to the Innocence Project. It's just there's no DNA evidence left to support his claim, and everything else has been adjudicated already. It's tragic. And um, so there's that, and then I did a story in 2000 at the Olympics that I'm really proud of in Sydney about a guy named Eric Musambani who was from a little nation in Africa called Equatorial Guinea. And he was one of these folks who was given an Olymp- what they called an Olympic qualifying wild card, which means that he competitively hadn't qualified. And it was an odd cir- circumstance because he was in the very first heat of the event that he was swimming and the other two guys false started so they were disqualified. So he swam alone and he got about halfway down the pool. It was 100 meters. He got halfway down the pool. For the first probably 25 meters, he looked like he knew what he was doing. Then it started to look like maybe this guy can't even swim. And he ended up kind of just about dog paddling his way home. And swimming is the most popular sport there is in Australia. And the people there went berserk for him. And I talked to him afterwards. And he was really, truly an inspiring guy. And it's just left a mark with me. We called him Eric the Eel. Wow. So I love it. Thanks for sharing, man. Yeah, it's good. Thanks, no, dude. Nothing better than a good story. Have a great yeah. Open Championship. Jimmy Roberts, NBC Sports, thank you so much. Good to be with you guys. Promise us you'll do it again sometime with us. Do what? This. Yeah. Yeah. I love talking. There's more stuff. <laughs> <laughs> they pay me to talk. <laughs> Oh, wait. You know you ain't getting paid. <laughs> we ain't got no money. <laughs> Damn. Damn. Thanks, well, some man. things haven't changed in Bristol. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Thanks, dude. All right. Man, you know, what people didn't see in the Jimmy Roberts interview is, like, he didn't just suggest that you shut up and let him finish. His face, if he had something to hit you with, he would have hit you. He had laser beam eyes. Have you guys really gone at it on Twitter? Yeah. Well, More than once. For what? On stuff that we disagree on. Like, what, like the thing that came up there where he jumped out and was like, the dude should have been disqualified. Well, as a member of the media saying that you should be disqualified and not knowing the rules, like, I got a problem with that. Because so many people follow you and they think, well, he knows. Oh, so you called him out on that on the Twitter? Yeah. And he got after you? And there was other stuff that we kind of went back and forth like on, too. Like what? I don't remember. But it was like there were two things that I remember we got into pretty good Twitter battles about. But then there was another time that someone attacked him and I came to his defense. Really? Yeah. So am I to under- That's the relationship that me and him have. It's like. Are you sure? Yeah, it is. But you saw the laser beams come out. I mean, like, but he still loves. I still are, love the dude. Are you, are you sure that that, that, that wasn't fake? What, I, the laser beams? I, no, no, no. Just or, the fact that you guys are like boys. I don't. I, I think I was the connector there. I don't think we're boys, but I think that I really he. I think he has a respect for what I do and how I do it. Yeah, and he knows that I really respect him and what he does and how he I does mean, it. And so, even though there are times that we disagree, there are a lot of things that we agree upon. And I enjoy spending time with him because we we share stories and I, stuff. So it's like if we see each other in the lunchroom, we sit together and eat lunch together. So I would oh, consider nice. someone like that my friend. I mean, you all but told him. I mean, you basically just. I told him he was wrong. 
well, not only did you tell him, you, you went and told him wrong, you interrupted him, and then you told him that he was one of your inspirations. There was a lot of emotions going on there. That's what I'm saying. You were up and down with him. Well, that's what. Yeah, sometimes that's what a relationship is. That's it's, true. It's a roller coaster. You ride. guys have a nice marriage. Yes. Like some, a nice media marriage. Something like that. <laughs> and I don't need to see him every week either. So it's cool. When I see him, I enjoy. But I'm, um, he's also one of those dudes that. I know if I say something he disagrees with on Twitter, he'll call me out. And I'm cool with that. And he knows if he says something I don't agree with, I'll call him out. But he also knows, because of our past too, that if someone attacks him and I don't think they're justified in attacking him, yeah. I'm going to come to his defense and I'm going after him. So it's like it's like I can say something bad about, about my friend, but you can't. When it comes to Twitter, <laughs> <If> you're wrong. <laughs> I love that you pull out Twitter muscle when you need to. That's good of you. I don't I don't like to do it all the time, but because of how some trolls are on Twitter, mm-hmm. like if every now and then I go back to my comedy roots and I will I will drop I'll mic drop on people to just let, remind them, remember where I came from. <laughs> I came I came from the streets of a comedy stage. Came from yeah, I came from <laughs> I came from the not so hard school of Knox. <laughs> I'll say this about Jimmy Roberts. I've I, like you. I've always been a fan of his work. I will always be indebted to him because when we were out in Tahoe and we were done taping the Jimmy Roberts interview, I got up to go to go use use the restroom, and we were out at the driving range, and Jimmy was practicing. He was playing one of the, the pro ams prior to the tournament. And I and it was the end of the day, and we had been watching people hit golf balls all day. And I looked at him, and I looked at his clubs, and he goes, "Matt, you and I both know you're going to hit the ball. You're going to start. So you're going to hit one. So take here, take take the wedge, nine iron. Let you hit balls. And so he See? scratched my it's, same when, marriage. When a, when a man hands you the golf club and says you may hit my golf clubs." I mean, there's that's a bond. One, there's a code amongst guys like that now. That's so a, our, yeah. our thanks to Jimmy Roberts. NBC <laughs> you Sports and Jimmy Roberts team. now, Brad and Chad. That's it. I mean, because <laughs> you, you let me use your clubs at Lake Tahoe just to scratch the golf hits because I was staring at people all day doing it. <laughs> Drooling. Yeah, that's it. So Jimmy Roberts, good stuff. Looking forward to watching the Open Championship. You were about to get on your flight to go to Scotland because you were going to grace us with your knowledge. Can you give I'm me? I'm just going over a, there to get some. I'm going over to get some black pudding for breakfast. All right, good. That's what I love. Give me a couple of guys like you it. like at the Open Championship. Well, Dustin Johnson. I'm, I'm saying again, I like Dustin Johnson. I like. You know what? When it comes to the Open Championship, I love the usual suspects that are over there. Yep. But um, one of the guys that might be flying under people's radar that shouldn't be under people's radar is Tommy Fleetwood. Uh, he's been playing so big. In these in these big tournaments, it's like he's about to bust. He is Europe's version of Ricky Fowler. You get the sense it's almost his time. But it, that's why I'm saying he's Europe's version of Ricky Fowler because it's like okay, right now, if you remember that first year when Ricky he top fived in every major, yeah, no one had ever done that before. Really, like like the way that Ricky did. Tommy Fleetwood seems to be back in that space again. And here's all you need to know about Tommy Fleetwood: he withdrew from the Scottish Open to rest for the open championship. And so when you have a when you do a move like that, you're thinking, okay, conventional wisdom says he's gonna go out there and get some swings in to get used to conditions again and go get ready for the open championship. But to me this says he's thinking about other stuff. About winning the open championship and making that more important. And understanding the grind. Correct. I love Tommy Fleetwood, but you know who just has my attention again? 
Henrik Stenson. Man, that's funny that you There's said that, dude. There's something about Henrik Stenson. So funny that you said just that. Ha- he has my attention. One yeah. or two years ago in one of the great open championship duels with Phil Mickelson. Oh. But there's something about Henrik that has my attention. Yeah, it's just that Henrik has not been playing spectacular golf lately. But when it comes to the open championship, though, he he's like Mickelson at the Masters. Yep. So no matter how bad he's playing – when he gets to the Open Championship, oh, yeah, I'm the Open Championship, and I took down Phil Mickelson, and oh, I remember how to do this, which is a, it's so strange to say because most guys go the other way. Mm-hmm. Most guys will be playing great throughout the year, and then they get to majors, and they, oh, and he's kind of, I look at him as, as the opposite of that. It's like he gets there and gets into his comfort zone. So he's a guy. What about off the radar a guy like Alex Norton? He's a ball striker. Yeah. Ball striking clinic. Unfortunately, to be 100% honest, I don't know if he's ready for the Sunday coming down the stretch back nine pressure of a major championship yet. Uh-huh. I could be wrong, but from from what I've seen from Alex Noren, he's a very good golfer and extremely good ball striker but when it comes to the pressure of the open championship i don't know if he's ready to win yet that's not to say that i don't think he will ever win one sure. i just don't know if this is the year because of the course that we're at because if you have any kind of nerves on the back nine it was, wasn't nicholas said these closing holes are the hardest stretch of major golf that he's ever played yeah, we heard that from jimmy yeah so it's like if Nicholas throws that out there, I don't think that any – I think it's going to be extremely difficult for a first-timer to win unless it's someone like Tommy Fleetwood yeah. or even Ricky even Fowler. Ricky, yeah, a guy yeah. That, the guy that we know that has world-class game in the top ten world Correct. rankings, but they just haven't quite made it their time just yet. I know you've made it your time. You're going to hop on your flight to Scotland, safe travels. Thank you. Bring me back a polo, smaller, medium. You know the routine. Did they? Well, see, over there, that's all the sizes they got. That's it. So you're good to go. The, the small man. If I bring three mediums, you sew them together for me and make one shirt. <laughs> the small man overseas gets it done. They got that British chest over there. Yeah, you know really what they got over there? Well, a lot of they ain't got over here? Jay well, Lindenberg. <laughs> <laughs> the JL. So If I wore that belt buckle, with my my small intestines would be laying <laughs> on the ground. It would just slice the bottom of my belly open. Safe travels. Thank you, man. I uh, look forward to talking to you at the conclusion of the Open Championship. Uh, next week, we will start unveiling all of our content from American Century Championship. We look forward to that. As always, the social media, Instagram, Maddie and Caddy, M-A-T-T-Y, the word and, Caddy, C-A-D-D-I-E. That is the Instagram. That is the Twitter. There will be videos. There are links to podcast pictures, all the fun stuff uh, coming out of that. And as always, subscribe and download to Maddie and the Caddy, the podcast, Apple Podcast, the ESPN app for the Caddy. Michael Collins. I'm the Maddie. We will see you next week when we will have another major championship winner in the books. This has been Maddie and the Caddy. Appreciate the support and downloads. Haggis, haggis, Thanks for listening to Maddie and the Caddy. Check out more great ESPN podcasts in the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Maddie and the Caddy.